Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Greetings. It is the CBC Wisdom Hour number 95 for April 28th, 2020. I'm Steve Wichel in New Orleans. 95. Tony B coming to you live from New Jersey. You know what's the great? The home of Route 95. Ah, yes. You know what's great about 95? It's a little faster than 94. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Yeah, because I didn't know, so I wanted to have you tell me. Oh, there, you, there you have it. How you doing there, buddy? Wisdom right out of the gate, man. Woo! No yes. time to even warm up. I know. Looking for answers. How's your quarantine vacation going? It's going fantastic, dude. <laughs> I, like I said, I, I'm getting all kinds of stuff done. I love it. Like 20 years from now, I'd be like, man, how did you get through that, that whole virus thing? Oh, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> dude, no problem, man. I got places to do at home. Plenty to do at home. We watched Netflix. We made nachos. We, yeah, you know, we slept. Yeah, I mean, I'm jealous of those people that got nothing to do. That can they just, you know, do whatever they want. But I have work to do during the day, like during the week. But I am able to shape, the, like, the two hours that I'm not commuting, you know, I make good use of. And I'm able to exercise and play drums in the morning and practice on the pad. And I've gotten into a real routine, man. I've just been showing up every day doing it. And I've got some... Good stuff's happening, man. Who has nothing to do? That, that I don't think there's anybody that has nothing to do. No, but you said like watch Netflix and make nachos. Like, you know, I'm sure there's people sitting around watching Netflix all day that have nothing to do. But like, you know, Cole's writing music. We have a Friday like quarantine happy hour that I've been tasked to write a theme song for, so I'm working on that. Ooh, I like it. Yeah, a little intro, like Wisdom Hour intro, but uh, for drinks. Excellent. Wait, wait, quarantine happy hour. How is this? Uh, how is this run? Tell me more. So, like thirty people get on Zoom. Thirty. And we people? have a Zoom meeting, like a conference call. Yeah, we had. Um, we got thirty people. We had almost twenty on last time. Is this a work-related thing? Like work people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Work-related. At three o'clock on Friday, it's it's a quarantine drink cart, and you log on with your Zoom, and everyone has a cocktail and just kind of shoot the shit for an hour. That's fun. And you get paid for that. Yeah, too. it's cool. It's fun. That's you're you're on the clock for that, right? Yeah, yeah. And then um, 
like not last week, but the week before, me and Cole played Name That Tune, and we played some jammed some songs for them. You know, live on the uh, Zoom, had the camera on a tripod, took them a little tour of the studio, and then uh, had a little sing along. And then last week uh, was just people sharing all kinds of crazy memes and stuff around that you know they found that are Corona related. And then, uh, like I said, I was tasked with. We said, we know we need a theme song. Uh, so I said, I, I will come up with something. So I got a couple ideas. It'll be done for this Friday, so I'll play it next week at, on Wisdom Hour for you so you can hear it. Wow. How do you plan on uh, constructing the theme song? I lifted, I'm doing a cover, so I lifted the beginning of a song, which I'm not going to reveal yet. I but I was able to take the eight-bar intro, and then I was able to, in GarageBand, I recorded it in, and then we looped it. You know what I mean? So I have it like running endlessly. Okay. And I let it go around once, and then I recorded vocals onto it with the mic with effects on it and I did like two or three vocal tracks so I got the main track and I got harmony tracks oh. and it's uh, I made up some words for it and it's pretty cool very good you know I have a a, um, a Mac and I have GarageBand and I have not used it yet I bought this Mac when last year September yeah yeah and I have not used my GarageBand yet yeah I've been using it on the phone and, and like I said Cole's been writing all his music on the gra- on his GarageBand on his phone Okay. And then when I lay down drums, I have them all set up in the studio through the board, you know, ready to go. We have the adapter. You plug it right into the phone, and then we mix it, you know, so it sounds good. And then uh, lay down drum tracks to his uh, tracks that he's been laying down. Right on. Lay it down. Yeah, it's been pretty productive. Like I said, with music, we've done about six or seven songs already, and now I get the drink song going. Um, and then whenever we can, we've been jamming, you know. So it's been been productive. Like I said, I've been getting a lot of stuff done. Yeah. No no shortage of things to do around here, pal. Yeah. Make sure you chronicle all this too, in in like with pictures and videos and stuff, so you can show your grandchildren how you got through the great plague. The great plague of the corona. I'm serious though. Take pictures. Take videos. Yeah, yeah. You know. I got you. Yeah. For sure. It's been it's been fun. I mean, the corona is not fun, but I mean. Listen, like we talked about last week, you got to make the best of it, you know? So you can either sit here and be miserable and say, oh, this is terrible, it's the worst thing ever, which we already know that's what's going on. So let's look at it from the other side and say, hmm, how can I use this opportunity to do something for me? Yeah. <clears throat> on the miserable part, I was feeling <laughs> – last week I was feeling kind of achy towards the end of the week, like a couple days, like just a little extra tired and achy. And then Thursday night – during the night sleep and I was I woke up at one point sweating like dripped in sweat but shivering like shivering uncontrollably uh oh yeah yeah uh oh right and I just <clears throat> I got up and I think I adjusted the temperature in the room and I was just shivering like walking to there and walking back to the bed and I just got under the covers and I'm sure like teeth shattering shivering yeah yeah and uh I I made it back to sleep and then I woke up and I was still feeling off so I took my temperature and it was 99.5 and I'm like I have a fever like I haven't had a fever since I was a kid that I can remember huh yeah so I I posted something about it and everybody's like go get a test man and I'm like I looked (laughs) I looked (laughs) I looked they didn't say it like that but I looked into it you know, Google it, like, where can I go get a test or, or, or COVID-19 tests around me? And the site popped up where it asked you a series of questions. And then by the end of the questions, it said, 
you know, you don't need a test right now. Just stay inside. I'm like, okay. Because, uh, I don't know, it, it didn't even give me any locations to go get a test. So, I, And I could have probably dug in further and called the hospital or, or called the my doctor place and uh, found out more. But I was like, eh. And by the middle of the afternoon, the fever was down back to normal. And it hasn't returned, so I don't know what it was. I don't think. And that was last Thursday, so you went Friday, Thursday. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, with nothing. Yeah, it was Friday morning that I woke up and I had that fever. So the rest of Friday, most of the rest of Friday, I was okay. And then Saturday, Sunday, Monday, today, yes, no fever, nothing back. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, and it's weird. I, I don't. I, I mean, it's impossible right now for me to know if it's corona related. Unless they get a test or unless I get the antibody test. Um, but uh, it was definitely strange for me. You know, it's not something that usually happens to me. So, uh, I don't know. I, I was a little concerned for a minute there. And not because I'm afraid to die or any of that. Just because I don't want to be sick. Like, being sick right. sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it does suck. We try to avoid that at all, you know, whenever possible. Yeah. And especially, like... If it is COVID, like where you have trouble breathing, I'm like I don't want to have trouble breathing. I like breathing. Yeah, I like breathing too. Yeah, you know, I do it every day. I do it even when I'm sleeping. It's great. Yeah, I do. I don't think about it, I'm doing it. Yeah, me too. How about that? Pretty um, cool. <clears throat> so, uh, so yeah, um, uh, situation averted, I suppose. But uh, people are still. Uh, I think th things, certain things are reopening. They just announced, though, here, the governor the other day, maybe yesterday, uh, who knows anymore, um, that they extended the stay-at-home orders until May 15th here in Louisiana. Yeah, I think we have the same thing here in Jersey. Okay. Um, which means, I guess things are status quo, but, but stuff is open. You know, I went out today to Walmart, got some stuff, uh, went to the vape shop, got some uh, you know vape cartridges there i went to the car wash you know car wash is easy you know you're staying in your car so that's fine it's true <clears throat> but all the every time i go out though all the fast food restaurants not only are they open but the lines are huge like every time every one the lines wow. are huge like almost blocking traffic in lines like are that's you crazy. people like these people don't have i, I don't know why because is it just because people don't want to cook or or they don't know how to cook? I don't know. I have no idea what why it's so crazy like that. Yeah. I mean, now's your chance. If you don't know how to cook, now's a good opportunity to learn. Yeah. You know? You got a lot of practice, too. You sure can. You can burn things. I've, I, I know how to cook, and I've burned things. <laughs> yeah. Good times. And, uh... You've been playing uh, nothing, really. Playing music. I listen to music a lot. That's what gets me through. Yeah, we talked about that last week about all your speakers everywhere. Yeah, so I did, a, I did a thing like um, it was on Friday, Friday, Friday night. And similar to what you were just talking about with your, your work Zoom call, but it was a Zoom call. With four other people, it was supposed to be five, and then uh, one of them didn't show up. Chunk's here. What's up, Chunk? Um, and it was with my brother. My brother invited me, 
and his and three of his friends who I also know and have known for a long, long time. And uh, they just do like a hangout, Friday night hangout, drink some beers, pass on the vape, you know, type of thing. Or drinking whatever. That's cool. Yeah, and it, that was for, it was like two and a half, three hours. We were just sitting around talking. And one of the guys, uh, his name's Chris, I, I, I really like him a lot. And I haven't seen or talked to him in probably 15 years. Um, and it was just like, uh, you know, just like we hadn't missed a beat. So pretty cool. That is always interesting when you got good friends, you know, and you don't talk to them for a while. But when you do, you pick up right like where you left off, like you never, you know, like you just talk to them. Yeah. But they talk, they do, <clears throat> they're all big music fans. They're not really musicians. Chris, uh, Chris plays keyboards and one of the other guys plays guitar a little bit too, but not like gigging type of musicians just for fun. Uh, but they're all huge m- music fans, <clears throat> and they all have kind of similar tastes, too. So they do a thing every two weeks. And my brother told me about this last time I was at his house, uh, which was probably around Christmas. Um, they pick an artist, and then they all have to pick 25 songs that they like and put them in a top 25 list. And then they do this sort of round-robin sc- um, Zoom call. And they all like, all right, who's everybody's number 20, 25? And they go around the room and they talk about why they picked that song and whatever. And then my brother puts it in like a spreadsheet and compiles it all and, and does the average and what the, what the average number one is and, and whatnot. Um, <clears throat> Pretty interesting. Yeah. It's just a little like fun. Like they're all kind of, and I say this lovingly, but they're all geeks like me. Yeah. Um, um, and they just like to, and, and it is, really is a very, very welcome distra- distraction from the news, um, you know, doing stuff like that. So they weren't doing it this week, but they, at the end of the call, that one of the guys picked an artist. And I was like, I want in on this. So I have to pick my top 25 by the Eagles. Wow. Yeah. And the, the, what they like about this too it forces them into going into, into really digging deep and in, into an artist a particular artist and uh having to find songs that you never heard before <clears throat> and might like because like for instance the eagles i went and looked on my 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 uh amazon um playlist that i i put together with like five thousand songs and the eagle songs and i only had 21 in there i'm like huh so I need to find four more songs that I really like, at least four more songs that I really like that I may have missed. So it's a kind of cool way to to really dig deep into. Yeah, I guess it would be cool, too, is that when you do get back on the call, they may bring up songs that you didn't even think of. Right. Or that aren't on your list, you know, and you'd be like, oh, wow, yeah. Hmm. Right, that too. So I was thinking about going back and watching the History of the Eagles uh, documentary, which was one of the best documentaries on a, of a band I've ever seen. And we've talked about it. We talked about that a while ago. I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Um, so to do kind of do my research, do my homework, go back and watch that whole thing again, and maybe there's something in there that I missed, or, or maybe uh, some song will get a higher rank because of something that they talk about there or something historically about the song or the way it was written or whatever. So that's a fun little exercise I'm doing that is cool. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm kind of, I'm thinking that since I'm kind of the new guy to this whole group that next week or next time 
it won't be this week. It'll be the following Friday. But they'll let let me pick an artist. So I, I've been really mulling over what artist I want to pick. And I know the ones they've already done. They've already done like Zeppelin, The Who, Van Halen, Rush, um, uh, ACDC, I believe, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden. They did all those already. So I got to I got to find some. And the thing is, you have to to get 25 songs. You got to find an artist that has, you know, pretty decent catalog. Yeah, right. All, like all the ones you just mentioned. <clears throat> right. So I've been mulling over which ones I would pick. I was thinking if they haven't done it already, I would do the Allman Brothers Band. Yeah. I was uh, going to say that's a good one, too. That's all classic rock-based uh, bands, what you you know brought up so far. Yeah, but I also was wondering if those guys would be open to a band that they don't know, but that has a really good catalog. And if anybody's going to oppose it, it'll be my brother because he's a pain in the ass. <laughs> well, is there any limit to the genre? Like, are you only going past, you know, a certain date at this point, or it could be anything? I don't know. I haven't really gotten all the ground rules down. But I would imagine that it's flexible, you know? Because Boston would be another good one. Well, Boston only had three albums, though. Yeah, but they got 25 songs worth of music. Yeah. I think you Soundgarden would definitely fill that bill. Soundgarden. I was thinking Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam too. Pearl Jam for sure. would be one that I know those guys at least like Pearl Jam. But I was thinking one of my favorite bands in the world is Kings X, and they're not yeah hugely known band. And I don't think any of those guys know Kings X. But Kings X has like fifteen albums. Yeah, they do have quite a catalog of stuff. Yeah, maybe not fifteen, but a lot. Twelve probably somewhere around there. Foo uh, Fighters got a lot. Foo Fighters would be a good one too. Yeah. And they're not really considered classic rock, but now Billy Joel, he's got Billy gone. Joel was is was one of the first ones I thought of too. Um, yeah, that I a would, lot of material there that I would want to pick that I would really enjoy going through and doing a top twenty five songs on that on Billy Joel. I'm trying to see King's X discography. Here we go. Def Leppard, they got a lot. Yeah, I don't think I could even pick twenty five songs that I like by Def Leppard. I, and not to say I don't like Def Leppard, I do, but um, I don't know. I can only stomach Def Leppard for so long. Well, yeah, but like you said, too, it does narrow it down a bit, you know, because it's a lot of tunes, and you'd need a band that would have at least, you know, 100-plus songs. Right. Great band that comes to mind that you could do, too, classic rock would be Kiss. Yeah. They got I, a ton of tunes. I think those guys would be like, no, with Kiss. Because those guys like, you know, they like, you know, bands that are really authentic and, and like I'll really deep songwriters and, and like deep lyrically and things like that, oh, especially deep my purple. brother. Deep Purple. Deep, nah, I don't want Deep Purple. Like Deep Purple for me is like, yeah, I like some of the songs, but I don't think I've ever listened to a Deep Purple album front to back ever in my life. Oh, dude, Made in Japan. Great album. Yeah. Yeah, live. Killer. I love Deep Purple. I grew up listening to them a lot. See, the thing with Deep Ian Purple P for me. Ian Pace was my, you know, one of my idols early on. It was just growing up for me, Deep Purple was had an identity crisis because there were so many different singers, you know, when I was growing up. Yeah. So I never really, yeah. <clears throat> I never really got into them. 
I saw him live though once. Yeah, I saw him a couple times too. Deep Purple, Anthrax, and Motley Crue. Motley Crue was it? Are you sure? No, I was just saying that'd be another good band. It was. I saw a show. No, it was at Meadowlands. It was Deep Purple was a headliner. Anthrax played, and there was one other band. I can't remember who it was. I probably had the tickets stub somewhere. Megadeth. No, it was like Wasp or something. Oh. <laughs> I think it was Wasp. Ooh, it, yeah. yeah, yeah. Deep Purple Anthrax and Wasp. That was Wasp because that was the show at the Meadowlands where I snuck backstage. Me and a couple of people snuck backstage, and we wow. got we got away with it. I ever tell you this story? This is a good story. No, <clears throat> I was in high school, and I had this friend. Her name was Lauren, and she worked. Um, she worked at the Meadowlands as like a, like a some sort of security, like it was a minor security job, or or no, no, she didn't work there. She because she worked there, ended up working there later. She knew somebody, somebody was related to her that worked there. And they knew where this, there was this one door that you could access, you know, that wasn't locked. And it was all the way at the top of the arena, at like to the tippy top last step, and all the way to one side. So where, where it ended, there was this one door. So she, she told us about this in school. We're like, yeah, we're going to do it tonight. So we go to the show and... You had to climb, you know, it didn't matter where our seats were. You can always climb further away from the stage. Nobody's going to stop you from doing that. So there was no, like, security around or anything. And we went to this this door, and then we had to walk down the stairs, the flights of stairs. You know, it's like 10 steps and turn, 10 steps and turn, 10 steps and turn. And you know the height of the Meadowlands Arena, right? Like how how high in the air? Like what would you estimate? It's stairs, dude. Yeah, what would you estimate that height to be in distance? When you're in the upper nosebleed, like upper upper tier, yeah, from, from the stage, from, like from the floor, from ground level, yeah. Um, it's probably seventy feet. Seventy? That's it. I mean, vertical. You know, you're probably a hundred and fifty away from the stage, but you're only going up. You know, about seventy feet. Seventy? You think it's only seventy feet, huh? Well, think about it. If you're when you're in when you're in the, the the you know the arena, you probably have twenty feet from if you're sitting on the you know the first tier, you probably got twenty feet up to the mezzanine level, right? Mm-hmm. And you're about ten feet up the floor, so that's thirty, and then you got to probably another thirty feet past that, maybe twenty feet, so that's fifty, and then yeah, and then you figure, you know, up each step is six inches, so if it's 50 steps to the top, it's another 25 feet. So I think, yeah, maybe 75 feet. Hmm. See, it seems like it'd be more to me. But but I'm just saying, if you're going downstairs, turn, downstairs, turn, yeah. downstairs, turn, like you said, that's probably 150 stairs. That's a pretty good amount of steps. Yeah, all right. And so we had to climb down it, though, which is better than up it. Um, but we we go all the way. We get all the way to ground level, and then we're there's a, another door that's open. And it leads to where the cars are parked, the limos are parked and stuff. And it's just basically an empty garage at this point. Uh, not empty with cars. There's cars there, but no people. Um, so we go and we sneak through there and we're, we're ducking under the cars. And then we go into this other little tiny room. And then it's then all of a sudden you're backstage. And it's a big, wide open backstage area. 
So and, and at some point, I lost a couple of the people. I don't remember why. I think somebody was chicken to go through from there and said, like, oh, I'm going to go back because uh, I don't want to get caught or whatever. And I remember I ended up by myself, and I don't remember how, but I walked, I you know, got to that backstage area and then just walked through, and I was nervous as hell, and I'm, I'm definitely probably stuck out like a sore thumb, but I was dressed all like Rocky, like Rocky, not Rocky Balboa, like, like, a, <laughs> right? like a rock guy. And I just kind of walked with, with confidence towards where I thought, you know, was I, where I saw the seats and, and I could see kind of where the stage entrance was. And then I went and just kind of stood by near a couple people and I just stood there. And, and then you opened another door and you were on stage. <laughs> no, I was out You're like I, I was out behind the, you know, I was I was backstage. I was behind the, the seats and and like the side of the stage I could see. And then Blackie Walt Lawless walked by me towards the stage and he was he was very intimidating, man, looking like he was all in that, you know, all the makeup and with the razor blades on his wrists. Yeah, thing yeah. and he was really tall and he was also wearing like platform shoes so he was like six and nine to me and he walked right by me and I'm like holy shit and then I just stood there and I watched part of the show from the side and then I was like you know this isn't really very exciting <laughs> just being back here it's not it's not that fun so I just walked out to the out into the seats and I found a seat that was much better than my original seat and sat and watched the rest of the show but I don't remember being all that impressed by Def, uh, Deep Purple that night. I don't remember who was singing, though, at that point. It wasn't Ray Gillen. It was, I think it was... No, Ray. it was probably... Uh, it, no, Ian Gillen. Uh, it what, It depends what year What year was that. Did, did, but didn't Ray Gillen sing with them, too, before, uh, no. before uh, no. Badlands? No, it was... Um, Are you sure? You know, David Coverdale was in the band for a while. Ian Gillen sang with them. Um, Let me see. I'm gonna challenge. Forget who else. Deep Purple singers. I'm gonna get the whole list here. Yeah, you're right. I thought Ray Gillen sang with them, but uh, there were six. Ian Gillen. Six, yeah. Six singers Deep Purple had. According to this, yeah, David Coverdale was one, right? Coverdale, yeah, and uh, Ian Gillen was one, right? Um, who else? Do you have it up? I do. Yeah, I can't think of anybody else. Um, well, one was the most recent, and he also sang. Who else did he sing with? This guy. I know I've seen him with other people. He sang with uh, Trapeze. <laughs> Fuck, it's Trapeze. Uh, and with Sabbath, too. I'm not familiar with Trapeze. Yeah, me neither. Uh, Glenn, Hughes. Glenn Hughes. Oh, yes, Glenn Hughes. He was on uh, the album Come Taste the Band. Right. Deep Purple. Rod Evans was a Deep Purple singer, and for him. I don't remember him either. He was in Deep Purple from 1968 to 1969. Oh, so he might have been one of the original guys yeah. before Ian Gillen. 
Tommy Bolin. Don't remember him. He was in Deep Purple. This isn't even telling me. Oh, 75 to 76. Wow. And then there's one that you really should know who was in Deep Purple from... me the other band it's not telling me <laughs> fine whatever um he had ha- this guy had a, a per- later or earlier later than those other ones i mentioned um this guy had a pretty big hit like an mtv hit with a different band um where's a wig like as a kind of a toupee wig. Uh, what else could I? How else could I give you clues? Uh, what? 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 Deep Purple song did he sing? No cheating. I'm not cheating. I'm trying to think. <laughs> was he? And he was a singer. Yeah, singer. Let's see. Then, um, let's see. I gotta come. Well, up I know the, the classic line of I remember was John Lord. On keyboards, Roger Glover on bass, Ian Gillen, Ian Pace on drums. He was, I think, he was the only drummer. Richie Blackmore before he left and went to Rainbow. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I can't find. Oh, it. Rainbow, Joe Lynn Turner. There you go, Joe Lynn Turner. Ding ding ding. But I can't find any really popular Deep Purple songs he sang. That Joe Lynn Turner sang? Yeah, I don't remember yeah. when. He sang, but I could have sworn that uh, it was later. Yeah, it was definitely later. Like, he might have been one of the last guys. Yeah, but was it pre or post Rainbow? It's post Rainbow, uh, right? Uh, pre Rainbow, I don't know. See, these are things that those guys would talk about during the Zoom call. <laughs> Well, Blackmore left to and then went on to Rainbow. So I, yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. I don't know if he sang with Purple before or after Rainbow. I don't know. Everybody could do their own research on there. Yes, they can. Out there. If they choose to. Um, but it was, uh, I don't remember who was singing with Deep Purple for that, but that was my first backstage at a show experience. I was cool. a, a little kid. I was, uh, not a little kid. I was in high school, you know, but I was a, a rebel. It's like, yeah, let's do something we're not supposed to do. Rebel. Like sneak places. I guess like at then it was eighties. I, I, the only trouble I think we could have gotten in is just, just get back to your seat, you know. Yeah, you're point. not supposed to be back here. You say I'm friends with so-and-so, and like, do get your hands oh. off me. You know who I am? Get get, get away. <laughs> I wouldn't have been that smart. I would have been just because I'm not good at lying. As soon as I got caught, I'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> well, I think I told the story once before on the Wisdom Hour when I went to uh, the Modern Drummer Festival, Montclair State College, and um, tremendous line, you know, to get in, right? 
it was always was. There was like hundreds of people online, no matter what time you got there, you know, and doors opened at a certain time. And I had a gig that night, so I had to leave the festival early, but I had my van jammed full of drums. So same thing, dude. I was by myself. I pulled up. I'm like, dude, I'm not parking my van out in the parking lot with all this gear in it. You know, like $20,000 worth of equipment between PA and drums. And, you know, the whole band's stuff was all in the van. Mm-hmm. So I remember rolling up to the security gate. And I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really try a ballsy move. And I went up to the gate, and I said, uh, yeah, the guy's like, uh, can I help you? I'm like, yeah, I got, I got, I got festival drums. Like for uh, uh, it was, <laughs> Simon Phillips is playing that year and a bunch of guys. like I guess Simon Phillips like at, at drum stuff here and and uh, I'm you know I said I'm Tony Barr I'm, I'm with the, I'm with the uh, you know with the crew. Where's your pass? No pass. He's like I, and I'm like dude I'm like I just got here I'm like I wasn't supposed to even come here I'm like but they needed extra equipment so I got like I got to get in there like because I got the stuff in there waiting on me so he's like all right he's like go up to the next stop talk to that guy and I'm like what's that guy's name he's like that's Joe I'm like okay Joe. I get to the next stop, and I said, "Hey, hey Joe, yeah, he radioed ahead, so he's like, you can go down here.'" And I'm like, "All right, man, thanks, Joe. Can take it easy, you know." And then, dude, they gave me like, I drove like on campus, like they had to move people. Like a guy then escorted the van with me driving <laughs> down, like, down the little road, and like pushed the people that were waiting in line out of the way, and then direct, and then directed me Great. to pull into this lot right next to the stage door. And then I pulled in there, and he's like, okay. And then there was another guy there, whatever his name is, you know, Steve, right? So I pulled up, and he's like, I'm like, hey, Steve. I'm like, yeah, Joe from security who just walked me down here. I'm like, I got festival equipment. He's like, yeah, no problem, dude. He's like, he's parking right here. I'm like, but listen, I'm like, but I have to leave at some point because I may have to go get some other equipment or, or I may have to, you know, go on a run. So I can't block me in. And he's like, yeah, no problem, dude. He's like, leave right here. He's like, you know, lock it up, take your keys with you. Um, and he's like, you know, you're, you're good, man. He's like, and then whenever you got to go, just, you know, just come out and go. So I'm like, cool. I'm like, and uh, I'm like, I can go right in here. He's like, yeah, dude, just go right in the side door there. And I remember going in the side door, like same thing, like backstage of the modern drummer thing, mm-hmm. and then meandered around there a little bit. And then same thing was like, there was not a lot going on. There was a bunch of people hanging out, and I knew some people that knew me. And I'm like, oh no, they're gonna blow my cover because they'd be like, oh dude, Tony B, what's up? And know that I had nothing to do with the festival, you know, and I don't have a laminate at that point. Right. You know, I don't have any type of thing to get like legit access. But then I got into the show, you know, and then I walked down and I like hung out on the side and I stood in the back and I like saw the whole show. And then when I had to go, I just went back out up the side door because I made friends with that guy, you know, that security door. I was like, I'm going to go out front and watch the show, but I'll come back because I got to get to the van. He's like, yeah, no problem, dude. And then I came back and I just remember going back out the stage door, got my van, said goodbye to Steve, you know, the security guy. And by that time, the lines were gone and I just <laughs> drove right out. But that was my ballsiest move of, you know, to get right in there and really no one even checked my id or anything that's and great. again it was back in you know 80s so it was like it was nobody even questioned it if you have like enough conviction you can get away with a lot of stuff man people will people will be uh gullible or well, well i always thought of it like this if you were supposed to be there you wouldn't just be like oh dude sorry man like let me get no i'm you know you'd be like you know Who's your boss, dude? Like, go get your guy to talk to me. Like, you know, it's like if you're a kid, you get pulled over by the cops. You know what I mean? If you're doing something wrong or you have something in your car or that you shouldn't and, you know, you're going to be very like, oh, or, you know. But if you're getting pulled over and you didn't do anything wrong and the cops harassing you and you got, you know, you're, you weren't drinking and you did nothing, you know, you're going to be like, dude, what, you know. No, 
Like I'm not agreeing to that, or you know, you know, you're gonna like you're going to stand up for yourself. Right. So it'd be no different than if you were backstage and you were supposed to be there, and some guy came up to you and was like, "Hey, you can't be here," and you were legit supposed to be there. You'd be like, "Bullshit, dude! I am supposed to be here." Right. Right. You would be super confident in your your story. You right. You wouldn't wait. Like if I really had festival gear, I'd be like, "Dude, yes, you need to let me in. I got to get the stuff to the gate. They're waiting on me." So why not just say that anyway? Right. There you go. That's cool. For for you people who want to crash anything, that's a little advice there. Just, right, just, just act like you're supposed to be act there. Act like you're supposed to be. Act like you would if you were going to be there in that place. A little well, dude, I remember being you. a kid, too, and we got caught like buying beer underage, you know? Right. And this okay. the cop went to the car, and he's like, uh, I just saw you come out of the liquor store, and you see your ID. Just give him an ID, you know? And he says, uh, you know, step out of the car and. It wasn't, you know, it was a fake ID, right? And, and he's asking me all these questions about it. So I knew all the answers, you know, and like, you know, what's your birthday and what sign are you and all this other stuff. And I had it all down pat. So he's like, sign your name. So it was someone else's ID. So I signed the name, you know, and he's like, ah, he's like, see, he's like, you sign the name different. The signature doesn't match. And like, you're busted now and all this stuff. And then I remember my friend getting like all paranoid. And I remember at one point, like the cop, like reading this all this right. And I said, I said, let me tell you something. Dude. I said, I've had about enough of the, you harassing me. I said, I want my ID back. I said, and let's go over to the payphone right now, and we can call whoever you need to call that needs to back this up. I said, because this is legit. I said, now you're harassing me. I said, you know, we've stood here long enough and took your abuse. I said, and it, it, it's, I'm done with it now. I said, so either give me my shit back and let us go, or let's go make a phone call and get this straightened out because we got places to go. There you go. And, and the cop gave me back my ID, all the beer, and was like, get out of here. Nice. Did he apologize to you too? No, he didn't. And my buddy was like, "Dude, but what if he had took your bluff and like went to the payphone?" I'm like, "I would have went to the payphone, called some random number, pretended like it was someone on the phone, handed him the phone, and I said I would have been gone in the woods, gone, dude. You've been on your own." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, great, thanks, dude." <laughs> like, like, like handing the cop the phone is gonna stop him from chasing you. What he's got to do yeah, is but drop I, the. I was young and athletic. He wasn't catching me. Right. I would have been gone. I would have been gone in a flash. But that's funny. It's just like here, hold this. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Here, my dad's on the phone. He wants to talk to you right now. Yeah. If it was a <laughs> phone, if it was a phone booth, I, that would be better because you it, could. Was he turned around? He's like, "Hello, hello." I would have been, dude. Give me, give me three steps. I would have been gone. Right. Yeah, it would be funny if it was a phone booth, and you give him the phone, and then he closed <laughs> the door. <laughs> close the door. Prop it. Close. Prop it. Pr- prop a stick under it, and then run. <laughs> Bam. He'd be like, hey. But then, but, but then, you know, in hindsight, then he would have went back to my friend, and my friend would have been, you know, facing some kind of, you know. No, your friend would have problem, totally thrown you problem, up. But he would have totally been like, oh, dude, Tony Barnett, this address. Yeah, yeah. Like he was out now. Here's, yep. here's his phone number. Here's his next of kin. Exactly. He, he's really not of age. He used his friend's ID. I'll, I'll tell you everything you need to know. Right, right. Yeah, they would. Yeah, at that age, yeah, your friends are gonna totally. throw you under the bus yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, so that would have been a bad plan. But <laughs> he was smart enough just to bail too, since the cops are no longer harassing him. He's on a payphone, just getting. You know, he's already in his car running. Just take <laughs> off. Right. Like cops come back, comes back, and there's yeah. the car running with nobody in it. <laughs> no, the cop is back. The car's gone because you left. You're like, oh. see ya. Yeah, yeah, that would make more sense. But then the cop already knows license plate number. No, he didn't because he was just uh, 
he was only at the window, you know, like giving us a hard time, and it made me get out of the car because I had bought the beer. My other buddy never got out of the car, never produced any ID. He was just in the driver's seat, you know. Hmm. So, but again, the fear factor, right? Like you don't want to just bail, you know. Right. Fear of repercussion. Yeah. Yeah, and you don't have time to really formulate a plan in that situation. You have to just go with your instincts immediately, and you got to commit to whatever it is you're. Yeah, exactly. You got to into it. But again, like I said, it's that confidence thing, right? If you, re- if I really was of age and buying beer, and the cop came up to me and said, "Like you're underage," I'm, you know, I don't believe you. I'd be like, "Dude, what are you kidding me?" Hmm. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. I still felt like weird up until like I was 25 going into a liquor store and buying liquor, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like. I know I'm allowed to be here, but I still feel like I'm not supposed to be here. And I like I, I'm sure it was visible on my face and that I got proved all the time. Oh, dude, yeah, cuz I would look young, you know, at that time I was really young looking. So even when I got my license, I looked like I was 14, you know. So by the time I was 21, it wasn't much better. So I was going to liquor stores, the guys were like laughing at me like, "Yeah, dude, I'm like, dude, it's legit. You have my license. What are you talking about?" Yeah. Nowadays, especially with beard, I got my quarantine beard, which is, has a lot of gray. So now I would. Oh, your quarantine beard, you said? Yeah, quarantine <laughs> beard. Quarantine beard. Quarantine beard. I'm not shaving. I haven't shaved since. You have not shaved since quarantine started? Correct. Here, you want to hear it? <laughs> it's not, my, my hair on my oh. face does not grow quickly. It's It's like. Not even an inch long at this point, but a lot of gray. You need to get a black Sharpie and color that thing in. I know. Well, I have, though, like in the mustache area is not gray. And it's like a it's like a, a like a biker mustache. It would go all the way down and then kind of to the sides. That's like that's the, the part of like my. Too. Yeah, that's the part of my beard that's not gray. So if I were to shave around, shave all the gray off, that's what I would have. I've, I would have like a biker mustache, which I've done kind of Should before. With like mutton chops. Yeah, I could have the mutton chops too. I think my mutton chops are not gray. I can't see them right now. Like Danzig style. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, uh, that would be pretty interesting looking. You have like a whole like um, – which like a less claypool look going? Yeah, kind of a less claypool or lemmy maybe, more of a lemmy kind of look. I'm thinking, but it's certainly. Let me tell you something, kid. <laughs> it really makes me look old, though. This beard. Yeah, you need to shave that stuff off, man. When you get back on the stage, keep me looking like an old man. Yeah, when I get back on the stage, like that's gonna happen. <laughs> someday I it will. I, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I guess someday. Not anytime soon. It's, uh... It, it's... Well, once they reopen the bars in New Orleans, right, they'll probably have music at that point, I would think. I don't know. Because it, it, it costs... Don't support. Like, I know they're canceling all the festivals and all these big gatherings, but once they open the bars again, they're going to need entertainment. Costs money to pay bands. And if they don't have business, then you're not going to pay the band. I, you, 
you're not going to have locals coming out to the French Quarter. Not too many of them, anyway, because they just no. Underst- but, but once it starts up again, like you said, you know, I mean, New Orleans is like everyone goes there for Mardi Gras, and then after that, you know, they go there to you know, for all kinds of other things. So hopefully, if the you know the economy picks back up again to where you do have tourism. I mean, it's a big, it's a very tourism heavy town. Yeah, it relies on tourism for for its economy, sure. Um, but that's gonna that's gonna take a while to rev that engine back up. Where people are re- rescheduling weddings and and bachelorette yeah. parties and conventions and you know all the festivals have been canceled up through uh, the summer at least. So it, it wouldn't be really till fall at this point that things might get back together and. Right, and it's it's a, re- a lot of it is contingent upon sports too, because this is a huge sports city, with uh, the Saints and with uh, LSU, um, and LSU won last night or last year they won the championship last year, so that's a big deal. Um, and if there's no football, you know you're just not going to have a lot of people coming, because that's a huge thing in the in the fall is the sports, because people come from the 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 visitors team from that city they'll come here many of them do especially for the saints right so that's gonna and i don't know i mean i just nobody knows are, are they gonna be packing our uh, stadiums again like people in like sardines at a you know at a football watching a football yeah. game eventually maybe you know but like you said i'm not probably not right off the bat i mean who knows dude you know once they start opening up again who knows how people are gonna act you know, some people are probably going to be excited and psyched and, you know, rush right back. And even they wear a mask, they're going to do it. And other people are going to be freaked out and be like, oh, I'm going to stay away for a little while. Mm. You know, like when they opened up Georgia, they showed guy like in the parking lot of a gym. And they were like, yeah, dude, like gym's open today. And the guy's like, I'm not going to gym. <laughs> like, like, what are you, crazy? You know, <laughs> it's coronavirus yeah, it's like, in there. <laughs> It's it's only it's the first day it's opened. It's like we haven't even peaked yet. I'm gonna wait another month or so. That's probably the best day to go in though. The first day it's open because they're gonna it's gonna be so clean, super clean, so clean, and there won't be a whole lot of people in there. So yeah, like I, I, the gym really doesn't bother me except for maybe the locker room. But even the locker room, like you're not touching anybody else really. You're not you're not really close. Like anytime I go to my gym, there's. If there's anybody in the locker room, it's like one other person. It's never really busy. And out on the floor, the gym floor, you know, I'm not really near anybody else. But, you know, the thing is the using the machines. But that was, the, the in my gym anyway, that was kind of the norm where people would clean off the machine after they use it anyway. They have the, all, the, all the, like, squirt bottles all over the place with the paper towels all over the place. And right. it's pretty customary there even before this for people to do that so i would imagine that that's what everybody will do and like kids yeah the gym doesn't bother me gym doesn't scare me i i would actually if the gym opened i would go i really need to because i gained like five pounds in the last month and a half tisk tisk yeah well it's the cookies and cheesecake cheesecake right yes cheesecakes it's so good though and the, your other podcast you do when you review cheesecakes and you're like, hmm. Yeah. And it's the uh, the lack of uh, or or the reduced mobility or mobilization, not mobility. I'm able, but I'm just not moving around as much. Willing. I got to do I would really love a bicycle like you have. Yeah. 
Oh, good news though. Today I got my first unemployment payment. Oh wow! <sighs> yeah, I, I was. I was very surprised at it because I didn't. I, I I applied and I didn't hear anything back. I didn't get any emails back. I didn't get anything in, in the mail. And then Nothing. I just I opened my bank account today and there it is, payment. I'm like, oh, cool. Oh, hey. Oh. Yeah, because they've been here in Louisiana anyway. They've been running these commercials a lot with the governor and and uh, I guess the mayor or some other lady, and really just uh, uh, really trying to push people to apply. So they they really want they really want to give you the money here because it's like right. it, we they have the budget here now they want we want to give you the money, and so they've been really pushing it. Um, so I don't think there was much of a vetting process with it, you know, because I I. You know, I just filled out the form with my information, and that was it. No questions asked. Right. Get me right through. Um, so, yeah, that's very much of a, a relief when I saw that today. Like, now I know I'm going to be getting some money every week. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, kind of. So anybody Is out there. retroactive from, like, when you no, applied? No. I, I And I thought it was going to be. And I can't say for certain at this point that it won't necessarily be because I – Maybe I just got one payment today. Maybe I'll get another one tomorrow or in a couple of days or I don't know. And and it should be retroactive for, for at least a, a couple of weeks prior to when I uh, when I uh, applied. But right. But if it's not, I'm okay with it. If I'm getting that amount of money every week, I'm fine. That's good. Thank you. I'm still ha I still haven't gotten the stimulus yet, and um, you know, so I'll be okay other bread coming in yeah and i did apply for sba too but who knows what's gonna happen with that because that's a big mess they keep running out of money yeah uh, but i don't need millions of dollars although not you know, you know although that wouldn't be a terrible thing if you like yeah if i woke up one day and they there was a deposit for a million dollars in my bank account because they made a mistake. Um, I wonder what I oh, would dude, do. What would you I, do? That's what I want to tell you, not to interrupt you. I don't know what you would do. With, you'd share a lot with your friends like me, and then you'd spend the rest. <laughs> okay. But, dude, interesting little fact. Like, for musicians out there, um, I came – so, real quick. So, I was doing some uh, – jamming with Cole and we were researching some stuff we were talking about snare drums and then we got on the subject of saying how uh, Neil Peart when he, he had an old Slingerland like artist model snare you know his wood snare it was like a three ply and he used that for almost all of the albums you know up until he went to DW drums you know that was like his go to number one snare he had it painted a couple of times to match different color kits you know so long story short years and years and years ago Probably, oh man, at least at least ten years ago, if not more, I was helping my dad, and he somehow he was visiting his buddy's uh, guy has like a lumber mill, you know, where he like cuts down logs into like planks and stuff like that. And long story short, when he was leaving, like in the parking lot, I guess the neighbor to that property had a pile of garbage out at the curb, and there was like a bass drum and a snare drum, black, you know wrapped like a you know plastic wrap uh with um black 
no heads, but all the hoops were intact and everything. So he took them. So when we were cleaning out his garage one day, I said to him, what are you doing with this bass drum and this snare drum? And he said, oh, I don't know. I, you know, it, I saw it in the garbage. It was slingerland. I thought, you know, it, it, you know, it was drums and it didn't look like it was in terrible condition. So I grabbed it. But then we noticed like the hoop was cracked on one, like in inside the drum, you know, like someone had dropped it or dropped something on it, you know, and like it had a crack in it. And, you know, the snare looked in pretty good shape, but it had no heads on it, but it still had the snares and everything on it. So long story short, right. I said, well, I'll take it home because I, I wanted to make a, a floor tom out of the bass drum. It was like a 20-inch or 22-inch bass drum, and I take the snare home. So lo and behold, so I restored this, the, the bass drum. Um, had other issues with it. It was cracked, like I said, and then it was not repairable, and it was out of round, and it was just, you know, it was it really was garbage. But the snare was in really good shape. It had all the original hardware on it. It was just old, you know, and dirty. So I cleaned it all up, and I fixed, like, the scratches on the wrap, and Long story short, I put it all back together again. It sounded killer, right? It sounded great. I was like, wow, what a great garbage find, you know, and I will not sell it. So it got me interested, and I said, you know, let me check it out and see if this is, like, one of these snares, like, that Neil had, you know? Mm-hmm. So after a bunch of exhaustive research that I did on some vintage drum websites and looking at the serial number and, you know, looking at pictures of the hardware and stuff like that, it turns out, dude, that that drum is a 1962 Radio King which was like top of the line Slingerland snare at the time, and it was this like elite model that had a solid one ply maple that was steam bent to make the shell, hmm. and it's just like like holy grail snare drum. Wow, yeah. So I was like, woohoo! Yeah, that's cool. I'm sure a lot of people have treasures like that in their attics or their basements yeah. still. You know, still there's probably a ton of people out there that have things like that um, that uh, they could be going through right now and putting on eBay and making some money. If they want. Well, that's just it, you know, so it's like I wouldn't sell it, you know, but it's 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 just it's a rare find. And it, it's, it has all these you know things on it that identify it as a Radio King, which was like the top of the line drum for that time, 1962. You know what I mean? Right. And it sounds great. So then I got interested and I went back and I started looking at all my drums, like my Yamahas and my other Gretsch concert toms, you know, and they're they're all like 1986, 1987 vintage, as they call them now, um, right. stock. Right. So that was pretty neat. Yeah, that's cool. I don't have any old gear. I wish I did. I, I really wish I had my first bass. And I'm sure it's out there somewhere still. Okay, I wasn't talking to you. Alexa chiming in. Um, yeah, and like my dad has a bunch of old, like he's a Buddy Rich Slingerland set from the 70s that he bought brand new, you know, and he has like a 22-inch and a 24-inch set. He's got two sets. Then he's got an old, uh, you know, a bunch of different snare drums, and he's got an old gold sparkle leady drum set, which was before Slingerland, like from the 60s. So he still has that banging around. So there's all kinds of stuff. I mean... You know that he has buried away his treasures too. That I know he he never sold. He just has them, you know, in the basement or in the attic. That's cool. Maybe I'll buy some gear with my stimulus check. <laughs> there you go. No, I gotta pay bills. I haven't been paying bills really. Ah, uh, you need to do that. Yeah. Well, everybody's very understanding now. Every all the companies of, you know, that you would normally pay pay bills to, they're in it too. They get it. Oh, yeah. No, they're definitely in it, you know? 
being like the, the landlord's like, yeah, okay, we understand, you know, just do it, give us what you can when you can. So, I got that going for me. Which that is, is nice. good. Yes. Um, yeah, I got a call. I'm glad you're COVID free, so that's good. Yes, very good. Got a call today from my friend Jay Delaval, who's uh, from Jersey originally. He's living in Montreal right now, and uh, the guy I used to play huh. with in yeah, yeah. Jersey. And uh, I haven't talked to him in quite a while. It's, again, really nice uh, thing about this whole quarantine thing, too, is, is reaching out or having other people reach out to you that you haven't talked to in a while and, and catching up and, and uh, been doing a lot of that. And it was good talking to Jay. He he's a real good guitarist, real good or a real good songwriter, real good singer. And uh, he uh, did a live stream a week or so ago, and I, I reached out to him, tried to give him some tips on just functioning, like flipping the screen things, and uh, and uh, and he was grateful for that. And we we chat the shit for like an hour this morning. He called me this morning, and uh, cool. And he's got some old he he said he has a a video of a show that we did that i never saw and he said he's going to send it to me so i'm excited for that i'm really digging the going through old stuff and trying to get it uh, yeah i want to get it all digitized all online and uh on youtube and all that for uh people to enjoy and for me to enjoy for me to enjoy mostly yes of course because i like everybody else self-indulgence well, I mean, if I figure if I enjoy something, then other people are going to going to enjoy it too. So that's just my mentality. And if they don't, at least they had the opportunity to. Exactly. And uh, I watched um, American Idol on Sunday, and I know a lot of people out there are not fans of the reality show thing, uh, but I am, and mainly because I just like music and I like hearing new talent. And I had to kind of binge watch the season because they were doing their first quote unquote live show last uh, or Sunday night when they would normally be in this big theater and they, you know you're, it was the top twenty and they each sing a song and it's a you know live crowd with signs and, and stuff and now they had to adapt so they did it just like everybody every other music uh, or musician is doing they each performed from home. Um, and the judges were at home, and they didn't do it live, but they did it so it seemed like it was live anyway. And Ryan Seacrest had his whole like an American Idol desk in his house, and and uh, and hosted, and it was it was really well done as far as the technology aspect of it is concerned. And it's interesting how quickly entertainment, the entertainment business, is adapting to this situation and it's also interesting it'll be interesting to see how much of this carries over when this is over if it's ever over speaking of reality tv and netflix did you have you seen that show the tiger king no no and i refuse to watch it (laughs) dude i watched a little bit of it i tell you what it was very interesting for sure Uh, right down in oklahoma man is this you know all kinds of interesting things going on. Yeah, I refuse to watch that. There's other things that I would really like to watch that I'm not watching. So I would like I would watch those things before I watch Tiger King and 
And, yeah, I got you. It was just I just thought it was goof because it's like very um, very interesting how some people live. Leave it at that. Indeed. Da- uh, what did you say? Oklahoma it was? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say down south people are, but Oklahoma's not really south, but it's still kind of. Yeah, it's, you know, Midwest s- more, I think, right? Yeah, it's Midwest. Mis- Midwest kind of people. And yeah, it's very interesting. I, I've heard enough about it that I know that it's not interesting to me. That's all. <laughs> Leave it at that. Yeah, no, I mean, I wouldn't watch it, you know, every episode, but it was just interesting to see the the personality of that the guy who was the Tiger King he was like crazy dude you know yeah I heard him interviewed at one point and that was solidified it to me for me that yeah I don't want to watch this no um, alright and then I finally saw the video that was the last thing I finally saw the video you were talking about with the, um, the girl from Florida talking about the natural light beer versus Corona oh god yeah. no, that was very interesting yeah disturbing all right, well, that wraps up 95, another hour of wisdom. Thank you for listening out there, and uh, hope you're being safe and everything is well in your world. Uh, you can always visit CoveredManCentral.com. We got more stuff up there all the time, and we're on Facebook. You all know that already. Be good. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.